You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Musical variety. It's one of the best parts of the show, but I haven't heard much Chicago. My all time favorite band. He's listening in Lexington. Here you go, Pete. This is my favorite Chicago song. And you know what, Pete? Thank you for calling me out. I don't know why I have aired not having Chicago on here before. Maybe it's because I sometimes forget that it was actually really good until the Peter Cetera end. <laughs> 639-4900, that's the Louise Baker team hotline. You can call us up there as Louise is going to be in studio here in the next hour to give away women's basketball tickets coming up for the final two home games. Tech men play tonight. 12.5-point favorites. They should have no problem dispatching a BC. Bill Roth, the Roth Report in Hour 3, and David Teal. I'm going to ask him about this topic that I'm about to bring up. And I want to get your takes. We're already getting some takes on it, and that's great, because no opinion is invalid. Um, And I'm going to highlight Carolina. Again, if you're a Carolina fan, this isn't me dogging the players. I mean, they got money. That's where we are. Okay, it's fine. I'm not... But you just watched last night, and I did take the. I wanted to take some time to watch because I've watched Duke to know they're not very good. Let's just say it the way they are. They're not really good. But Carolina, I haven't seen as much of. I really haven't, right? So I wanted to sit and say, okay, here they are. Now, they had lost a couple in a row. The Pitt game was close, I think, by one in Chapel Hill. Then the Duke game, blah, blah. And now here they are, a Wake team that's pretty talented, not overly talented, but okay at home, much tougher at home. That game was over by the first media timeout. Carolina looked uninterested. They played no defense, no rotation, no effort, no help side defense. Chucking up three after three that wasn't going in. Baycop very lazily running the floor. He got pulled out many times during key stretches. And then Wake had a 
20-plus point lead at halftime. They opened it up to about 20, what, 25, 26 points. Carolina tried to get close late, but they lose the game, and Wake Forest uh, prevails. So now Carolina's in a tough, tough situation, right? I mean, you look at the, uh, the standings of where they are. Right now, they are not an NCAA basketball team. They are not a tournament team right now. I'm not talking about in terms of talent, but in terms of their resume. Clearly, they have talent, which is why they got millions of dollars. But if they end up falling under 500, I mean, right now, you have seven teams ahead of them, and they're tied with Syracuse, who's also, by the way, at 7-6, and six, not deemed an NCAA tournament team. I mean, this is why I said, and I had some people say, hey, you're just being a homer for Tech. Right now, you have two eyes. Right? You have two eyes. Who's the better basketball team? Those of you who accuse me of saying I was just being a home. Who's better, Virginia Tech or North Carolina? Virginia Tech or Duke? When they're full throttle, and they're still not full throttle because Darius Maddox hasn't been available. Who is better? Right? By the way, Tech has beaten both Duke and Carolina. I'm not going to get into that debate because, you know, I think the numbers and the results speak for themselves. Yes, I know. I know Tech's 4-8. I get it. But they're going to pull themselves out of the basement, I think, far quicker than North Carolina is all of a sudden going to have a miraculous rise to the top of the ACC standings. Let's see how many conference losses Tech and Carolina have comparatively in the next couple of weeks. Carolina 7 and 6, Tech 4 and 8. Okay, I'll let that part go. When I look at Carolina, and it's well documented, again, we don't know the numbers. Brady Manick, the only starter, not back. Everybody else got numbers, they got paid. And I, I think probably realistically in order, all right, you want to look at the payouts and the type of season that they had last year. Armando Baycott got the most, right? I would say probably Caleb Love got the next most. R.J. Davis probably third. And then the least amount was Leaky Black, whatever he got. And he may not have gotten much at all. But I know those three guys all got paid. I've been told by other coaches. I've been told by people who work down in Chapel Hill. So I'm not debating... I'm not going to sit here and say they didn't get paid. Somebody tries to say they didn't. Well, you're wrong. They did. They all got paid. And I'm not, uh, hey, and that's, that's great. That's where we are today. That's where we are. But I'm starting to think if watching the performance, is this going to become, and I want to get your opinion because you are the smartest listening audience in radio, either on the uh, Louise Baker team hotline, 639-4900, or the text line, 744-2990. Are we going to be headed, in your opinion? Because we don't know about exactly still there's this mystery shrouding the whole collective, the makeup of the collectives at certain places. Are we headed to a pay-for-performance, strictly pay-performance model from the NIL people? You had this ridiculous deal for a high school quarterback who was going to Florida, and then they said, well, on second thought, our investors wanted to pull back and wait until you got here. So that deal's not in place. Boom, he left. 
do you think we're going to head in that direction? I'd love to hear from you. Again, no wrong answers. I just want to get your opinion and see what your thoughts are. Let's go to the phones. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Wayne from Rapid. How you doing? Hey, Wayne. How are you, man? Okay. Uh, how much money are you talking about that them players are getting? Well, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. Um, I have a couple people down there that told me Baycott got over a million. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what they say, money talks. Money talks, right. And, and again, I'm not debating whether that's good or bad because that's where we are today, Wayne, right? But I'm, yep. wonder, I'm wondering now how many of those investors are thinking, wow, we gave this guy what? How's our team performing? You know what I'm saying? I wonder if we're headed toward these guys doing this more on a month-to-month basis to keep guys motivated once they start getting fat and happy down there in their bank accounts. Yeah, I didn't know. I remember you used to talking about it, but I didn't yeah. know it was. I didn't know it was like that. Yeah, right, right. Oh yeah. Now, how many players is it? Just that one guy? No, uh, the big three all got paid. I, I think Leaky Black got some money too. So between Baycott, Love, and Davis, they all got substantial dollars to stay and come back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was wondering about the uh, the fans at the Tech game and. Uh, the, the the noise in the stadium. I mean, are they loud? I mean, as far as I listened to it the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. Castles. around, but are they really loud though? I mean, I was listening a little bit of Duke in a basketball after the game, game. It was real loud. Yeah, in, during the game, I think. Yeah, the opponent has a lot to do with it, but I think the Castle Coliseum crowds, the students, they're pretty energetic throughout, especially in conference games. You're right. I mean, your point's well taken. When it's Duke or Carolina or UVA, it's going to be a lot louder. But like tonight even, right, against a team that they should handle, they, they completely outclass, I still think you're going to have a lot of noise in there. Well, why would they be a lot louder at Virginia and places like that you're talking about? Well, it's more – well, not at Virginia. I'm saying when Virginia comes to Blacksburg. The, oh, the, oh, oh. the, the opponent brings out, I think, a lot of the emotion. Well, I like to see him. I listened to Raptor the other day. Uh, you know, switching around, and Radford sounded a lot louder than Tech. Yeah, we had a good we had a good crowd, and, and I'm interested to see tomorrow night. You know, Radford's on national TV again on ESPNU, and you know the game was sold out. Students came out; it was great. I'm hoping we have that same environment. But you're right; they got into it, and they were terrific. But that kind of atmosphere, see, Castle's so much bigger; it's about twice the size in terms of capacity, if not a little bit more than the Dedman Center. Castle holds what around ten. A little less than 10 officially. Dedman Center, if it's packed out, we could probably get 4,200 in there, 4,300. And that's a probably the most, and that's probably pushing it. You're talking about down here? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, y'all are talking about, uh, I like to see uh, Tech finish strong and everything. Virginia came back. I was wondering if Virginia, if, uh, you know, they won pretty good last night. I'm wondering how they're going to do. If them and Tech, I'm hoping that Tech can come on and finish strong and do good in the tournament, too, and just get that home court going and be loud. Like yeah. yeah, absolutely. Rapids really got it going now. Yeah, they do. Nine in a row. Big test tomorrow night. The team, Gardner-Webb, they're playing one five in a row. So going to be a, another huge battle tomorrow night. Well, that's pretty good. Well, y'all have y'all have a blessed day. Thanks, Wayne. You, too. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah. 639-4900-744-2990. And, yeah, Wayne brings up, too, on the uh, the other Wayne, uh, Wayne in uh, Ohio. 
Yeah, Jim Beheim the other day just completely embarrassed himself. I don't know. And also, Gino Ariema. I mean, these guys, just shut up. I mean, I, so, and I think Bill Ross can address this. Jim Beheim talking about, where are we headed? This is a sad state of college basketball. Oh, these guys getting paid. I mean, Jim Beheim's been brought up on how many NCAA investigations back when it mattered, back when the NCAA still had a little clout? Four or five? Right? They've been paying players at Syracuse a long time that he's known about. And then to come out and then to make these comments, it's it's a horrible look. I think Bill's going to talk about it, too. Ariema doing the same thing. Just just stop. Syracuse is mired middle, lower middle of the pack in the ACC. UConn no longer the top dog. South Carolina has completely blown them out of the water. They beat them head-to-head the other night. And these coaches, they're massive egos. They, they can't handle it. But that's a topic for, you know, a different topic. Do you think that we're going to have eventually these deals be pay for play? And as a fan, wouldn't you rather have that? And I know it's crazy to think about. We're talking about this from college sports perspective. But how many times do we see our favorite professional team sign a free agent or re-sign a player who a huge contract. Look at some of these Major League Baseball contracts that were just signed in the offseason. Trey Turner, over $300 million. Right? And how many times do we see these guys either level off or not ever approach their massive buildup statistically and performance-wise that got them to that next contract? And how many times do we sit there and go, well, he got paid. Of course he's not going to play hard. He's got a guaranteed contract in Major League Baseball. Right? He got paid. So, my question to you is this. Would you prefer, since it's not going to go away now that Pandora's box has been opened and the NCAA's weakness was completely revealed, the NIL's not going away. Would you feel better as a fan, whether you're part of the collective or not, to see, okay, you know what? Here's what you get this month. Your numbers aren't very good. My team's not doing well. And you know what? You can have different rules, right? You can have different rules for college athletes who, quote, aren't professional, end quote, athletes as opposed to having a players association like the NFL, the Major League Baseball Players Association, the NBA, or the NHL. Whereas you're going to get paid regardless of how the team is doing. Usually it's the coach or the coaches or the GM that pays the price. Players are the last ones to pay any consequence until an organization can finally find some loophole or find out how they can get out of a deal if that player's not performing. But in college, that is the one control that you could still have over some of this that's going on. And what are these kids going to say? I have a chance to make some money. There's no union. This is why this whole thing about a college player's union has been broached, right, over the last year or two. Couldn't the collectives instead of committing this massive amount of money for one sweeping payout or whatever Baycott's getting paid, 
I don't know how his annual payments work or how, you know, I have no idea. We don't know because there's no rules governing this entire thing. But what if the collective said, here's your contract, but read it very carefully because this thing's open again if we're not winning enough ball games, Or if you're not holding up your end of it, not necessarily in numbers, but are you going to class? Are you showing up for pro- Are you doing the things representative of this contract that you have? Because essentially, yes, it's a contract. It's essentially, does it become pay for play? And I don't know what the answer is. I'm just asking that question to you because we're all big sports fans here, right? We all want the best for our teams. But I want to get your thoughts on it. I'm going to ask David Till about this as well. He's more wise than I'll ever be. So that'll come up at 835. But I want to get your take on it. Text line 744-2990. Baker Team Hotline, 639-4900. Because there's no way that the collective's getting their money's worth for what they paid out to these North Carolina players. Right now, they'd be out of the NCAA tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. I don't think that's a good ROI, return on investment. We'll be back. They're talking Highlanders. They're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further. You found it. Don't you know? Talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. Headed to the bottom of the hour here very shortly. It's interesting. Text line's open, 744-2990. We've gotten, since the last break, we've gotten about uh, a dozen text messages. Eight of them think that that's not a bad thought, the pay for play. Sam writes in, I know that if I were part of the collective and I had paid X amount of dollars for a player to either stay. And obviously this is something we're talking about that we couldn't before. Then I would want to make sure that my money's well spent. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, it's crazy. This is what I'm saying. The whole thing is, it, it seems so ridiculous from what we grew up on, but here we are talking about this and this is exactly the way it's been going on for decades. What I'm proposing isn't anything that is something that is new at all. Because then those payments were, quote, against NCAA rules, end quote. And then whatever a kid was getting, remember blue chips? Uh, God, it always comes back to blue chips, doesn't it? Who was the kid? Was it Penny Hardaway's character who uh, thought about transferring or thought about leaving school or something like that? I'm not sure. And they said, well, this is your deal. This is the money you're getting. Your mama's house. What was it? New job lined up for your family. Well, guess what? You decide you want to leave. Job's gone. You don't think that was going on in college athletics for decades? You better believe it was. So now that it can be talked about, I'm just wondering if we'll get back there again. Depending on how this thing shapes up. Because it's it's just every day it's evolving because it hasn't reached any kind of final destination. It's just a monster that's been let loose, all right? 
It's like, you know, running into a herd of Bigfoot out in the woods. And they want you out of there, so they're going to howl. They're going to throw rocks at you. All right? They're going to try to freak you out. Get out of my woods. They might surround you. They might, I mean, that's what the NIL is right now. (laughs) I know. I had to get in a Bigfoot reference. I mean, you know, come on. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're halfway home. Bill Roth. David Till in hour number three. Louise Baker is going to be in the studio giving away women's basketball tickets. Stay with us. More coming up. Tell me who's gotten more run out of one successful song than D. Schneider. I mean, does Twisted Sister even have a catalog, or is this just it? Six three nine forty nine hundred. Good stuff. Text line's open, 744-2990. Louise Baker's going to be in studio. We're giving away some women's basketball tickets during the Roth Report, so we're going to have an opportunity for you to win those. And then David Teal. I want to ask him about all this. Because I'm just asking the same questions. My curiosity as a sports person has has been uh, watching Carolina just kind of be horrible last night. Think about this. Carolina ended up scoring 60 points in the second half last night and still lost by seven. That's how far they were behind. (laughs) The Appleby kid for Wake ended up with 35 points, but I think like 22 of them were from the line. A team is completely out of sorts. They all got paid, or at least most got paid handsomely, or the three, the big three did. Now they go to Clemson, as Keon talked about. Or actually, I'm sorry, they have Clemson coming in. Now Clemson, I don't think, I don't think Clemson is, is going to make it. I think Clemson's going to fade away. But then comes Miami. We're going to find out a lot about Carolina because they have two home games coming up. And that's where you usually get well on your home floor. At NC State, you go to Notre Dame, who's kind of cashed it in. Virginia, Florida State, and Duke. We'll see how they finish up. But much like what Virginia Tech's trying to do, Carolina has a chance to sweeten its resume again with games against Clemson and Miami. And this isn't a matter of whether or not they can win the games in terms of talent. They look like, to me last night, a completely unmotivated group. And if you're a Carolina fan, you got to just be wondering what in the world's going on. Right? That's three in a row now. And you can't say necessarily it was for a lack of effort against Pitt because that was a one-point game. Obviously, you would think, you would hope anyway, when they show up in Durham, they're going to be motivated. But last night, no. No, they really weren't. Virginia bounced back last night. I was curious to see about that. 
After Virginia Tech dispatched them over the weekend, they beat NC State 63-50. to More of the usual type of Virginia result, right? Holding a team to 50. Just goes to show you, by the way, to give you even more hope, Tech fan, it just goes to show you what Tech was able to do when they're clicking on all cylinders, even without one of their main rotational guys. Still, what they were able to do to the pack line and NC State, who was ranked number 22, couldn't do last night. I am really bullish right now on Mike Young's team having a really dynamic finish to the regular season. I think they will. I don't know if they'll win out, but I don't think they're going to lose too many games. Because you can't assume you're going to win at Duke because lots of strange things still happen at Duke, even though Mike Krzyzewski is no longer the coach. But I think Tech is his good a position as anybody in that league along with Miami to kind of just change the whole thinking of it once we get down to the ACC tournament. And I know they've got a long climb still to come. Syracuse, Florida State tonight. To be honest, I mean, take away your tech fanship. The three games tonight, not necessarily highlight games in the league. (laughs) Syracuse, Florida State, Notre Dame, and Georgia Tech. That's one somebody has to win. Vegas hates this game so much, they're just saying, uh, uh, we'll just, uh, let's give Notre Dame a one point favorite mark because they're actually 2 and 10 in the league and Georgia Tech's 1 and 12. Okay, that'll work. <laughs> and then you have BC and Virginia Tech, which is uh, Tech now a 12 point favorite. I expect Tech to build on their UVA win. No letdown. Mark said, do you think Tech will let down tonight? No, I do not. Mike Young is not built that way, and he recognizes that stuff. He will not allow his team. Why would they have a letdown, right? They're still trying to build the resume, Mark. That's the way you have to look at it. They they know that they haven't – they're 4-8 in the league. So, no, there won't be a letdown tonight. They'll, They'll be ready to rock and roll tonight. They will. They'll play well tonight. I believe that. It's a good discussion, and we'd like to hear from you regarding these things with uh, the NIL and Carolina in particular and and what it could mean. Uh, I mentioned Jim Boeheim in particular, Uh, the comments that he made, and then, of course, he walks them back when he starts getting a bunch of pushback, right? Well, I didn't want to insinuate other schools were doing that. It's a guy who's probably hung around too long because he's flirted with retirement three or four times. He's one of those guys. He's like the Brett Favre of collegiate basketball coaches. He comes back. His team's not very good. His program is not great right now. So he decides to criticize other programs and, and talk about the state of the game. The state of the game. When you have coaches who are blaming other factors outside of their programs for their failures, that's not a stable program. When you have coaches who want to say, well, I wasn't given this, therefore we can't win, or they're doing that, therefore we can't win, your program's probably not doing very well. And you need to look more internally at yourself and your own coaches and your own players. I think that's what's happening at Syracuse a little bit. I mean, they're an over 500 basketball team. But when you have a coach that 
is taking the time not only to say, hey, I don't like the direction of the sport and where we are with the NIL, but then to single out a couple, three other programs that are paying players, then you're, you're kind of jumping the shark a little bit, especially when you've been a guy that's been, oh, I don't know, on the cusp, if not over the edge in paying players in the past. You want to read Carmelo Anthony's book about how much money he got at Syracuse and the things he got at Syracuse? Dwayne Pearl Washington, you want to go back that far? Well, we could, Coach. We could. Derek Coleman. And that was, of course, before the, the NIL. Then it was the shh NIL. <laughs> We just no. Don't don't talk about it. Blue chips. I know Bill wants to cover that too. Look, nobody is jumping all over themselves doing cartwheels where we are in college athletics. People that make way too much money, who were given the power of leadership, failed collegiate athletics. They failed the system, the student athletes, their ideology, this complete mythological representation of what they tried to sell people again and again and again about what college athletics was supposed to be. That it didn't matter that the football program made millions of dollars. Those kids were getting an education on the house. The integrity of recruiting kids the right way which never happened. It was a falsehood. It was a shroud of reality. And now, of course, the bill always comes due, and we're almost at the complete near collapse of the NCAA. Even that it hasn't been announced that way, that's exactly what's happened, given the chaos right now that rules collegiate athletics. And it's all on the college presidents. It's on the commissioners of the leagues and the athletic directors that just let it all happen because they had their own selfish interest. The NCAA is nothing more than political government. That's all it is, is government. Nobody is honest. Nobody's telling you the truth. Nobody's caring about anything but their own special interests at heart. Until finally the bottom falls out and you can no longer hide or lie about it anymore. That's what politics is, and that's what the NCAA finally realized when the bottom fell out and they lost court case after court case after court case. And then they finally just threw up their arms and said, all right, no more rules. Do whatever you have to do, because we know we cannot support our own lies anymore. And the student athletes are going to rise up. We're going to go to court, spend millions and millions of dollars, and we're going to lose every time, so have at it. And this is where we are here in 2023. The fat cats got fatter and fatter, came across with this pompous attitude of superiority when they wanted to selectively choose certain schools who were breaking the rules, We'll go after school A or school B, but not necessarily school C because we're making quite a bit of money off of them. And now they're an embarrassment. They're a complete embarrassment. 
And now everybody else is left trying to pick up the pieces. In particular, coaches. And I know coaches at some of these places make more money than any of us can ever imagine having in our bank account. And I'm not sitting there feeling sorry for their wealth. <laughs> these guys, some of them are making $10, 12000000 million. But what I am saying is the coaches that don't make that in all other sports that aren't football or men's basketball have to also deal with the repercussions of the NIL, which I don't think is talked about nearly enough. The baseball coach, softball coach, your soccer coaches. Because it's trickled down in certain pockets to all of these sports. And not all these sports, especially at certain places, can even imagine broaching any kind of NIL with the Olympic sports. But some will have to deal with it. And this is, again, a highlight of this ultimate failing of the NCAA and this thing that it was supposed to govern, that it did not. And we as fans, we're the ones that, really, to be honest, fans are the ones who's the least considered in all of this. Well, the fans always come back, right? We do. We say we won't, but we do whether it's a strike at the professional level, right? How many people? I know I had my arm in the air. 1994, when they canceled the World Series, and my guy, my favorite player of all time, Tony Gwynn, was going to hit 400 that year. Canceled the rest of the season after that emotional All-Star game. No World Series in 94. What? People going back looking at the history books, wanting to – Learn about World Series champions leading up to whatever year. What happened in 94? Oh, they just canceled the whole thing. Oh. Well, what if the fans don't come back? All the owners sat around and went, (laughs) Oh, I don't think that's going to be a problem. We do. We go back. Same thing with college football. Lane Stadium last year. Sold-out game, 62,000 at Wofford. Administrators know the fans are going to come back. So, therefore, our feelings, eh, they'll deal with it. They'll deal with it or, you know, the thing that they've identified with for such a large part of their lives. I mean, this is where we are. How are they going to do without that void? They can't – they're not going to go through that divorce. And so – A lot of the coaches and the fans are the ones who have to bear the brunt of it, even though we are ultimately the ones who support all this, right, with our dollars. We are. But I think it's a good question to ask where this thing might finally self-regulate. The market always corrects itself, right, no matter what you're talking about, in investments in silver and gold, whatever it might be, certain stock markets, the cryptocurrency, memorabilia sales, right? The market always seems to fluctuate sometimes to the apex of just unforeseen dollars. And then all of a sudden, eh, the market's getting a little bit flooded here. People are spending less. The value's going down. More of those are showing up. And I think that's what's going to happen eventually with the NIL. I really do. 
And I think it's going to probably come as a, a shock to some of these student athletes who are thinking they're going to come in like this kid at Florida and sign a $13 million deal. And then the collector said, you know what? That's not so smart. We're not going to do that. <laughs> We're not going to pay an 18-year-old who hasn't even stepped foot onto a college campus $13 million. That was kind of a silly idea, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. What are we thinking? Yeah, I don't know. Let's see how he does first. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him here. We'll get him here. We'll pay him money to get him here, but let's, let's see how he does, and uh, let's word this thing to say, oh, my goodness, what are we? We're off to, a, we're off to an 0-2 start. And he's not – he threw how many interceptions? Ooh, oh, okay. Well, we've got your performance rate here. Hmm. I think we're going to have to draw back some of those dollars. I'm just wondering if that's where it's going to go. And Carolina basketball is a searing example of that right now. It really is. That's not a very good basketball team because they're not interested. This isn't the team we saw ravage through the end of the season go to the Final Four last year for the same head coach. No, this is the team that got fat and happy and they're playing like it. Lifestyle. What I say? This all comes full circle. To today's NBA and lifestyle over the game, well, Carolina's lifestyle means more to those players than the game itself. Miss something? Oh, you missed that? Well, here it is. Listen to Big Dog Sports Talk anytime. Yeah, we missed you so much. Available wherever you get your podcasts. BDSD will return in a moment on WRAD. And you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with the big dog himself, Rick Ruff, Ruff Watson. He may sound tough, but he's really just a pussycat. Meow. <laughs> Congrats again to uh, Mike Burnup. 40 years, my goodness, in the booth. All 40 with uh, football. And I don't know how many. I have to ask him next Tuesday how many years he's done basketball off and on. He's been doing basketball consistently for a number of years. What an honor. So great. Kudos to everybody over at Tech, the way they surprised him during the Virginia game with that uh, jersey and the recognition. They got his daughters in there, surprised him. It was really cool, really, really cool. Nobody deserves it more than Mike. He is uh, one of a kind and uh, so, so good and just uh, a great guy on top of being so good at what he does. And you talk about somebody who's associated with the school and loves his school, I mean – Mike Burnup and Virginia Tech will go down synonymous with one another for the end of time, right? He's always going to be listed as that guy. But uh, fun stuff for him. We have fun stuff coming up in hour number three. Uh, the Roth Report with Bill's coming up. Louise Baker scheduled to be in studio with us for giving away some women's basketball tickets. And then uh, David Teal, he's going to join us. It's a Hall of Fame third hour. Um, We'll get into some of these things with Bill, I know. I mean, we're going to talk about Tech and BC tonight. Um, next few games for Tech coming up, not going to help them a whole lot in terms of quality of opponent, but nonetheless, they can build and get win after win. I know he wants to talk about Jim Beheim a little bit, too. LeBron, I'm sure he'll get into. What's going on with the SMA? We'll get the Baker team game of the week. Clearly, I think that's going to be maybe just a hunch. It might be that football game on Sunday. And then the NRV Heart Clinic Top 3. So we'll have all that coming up with Bill. 
with Louise in studio. In between that, we'll be giving away tickets. So we got a lot going on here coming up in our third hour on a Wednesday. Radford's game tomorrow night. Nationally televised, come out and see us, and uh, let's pack uh, the Dedman Center and create the same kind of buzz that we had during the Longwood game. Gardner-Webb, by the way, they've won five in a row. No shock. Tim Kraft's team doing it with defense and forcing turnovers. They always get better in February. My goodness, that guy. It'll be a showdown tomorrow night. Radford going for win number 10 in a row, but more importantly, just trying to get better, win the next game, as Darius Nichols says. Hour three coming up. Hope you're well wherever you might be. Be safe if you head out. Going to have a nice day today, approaching 60 degrees. Loving it. We'll be back.